0: to the show where we get changemakers, innovators, troublemakers to share the biggest barriers and obstacles that get in the way of getting things done, what I like to call monsters and myths. And what we're looking for, hopefully, is for our guests to share the magic required to overcome these. Today's guest is Ajit Chambers and Uh, We have met each other in various circles. Uh, I think most recently at the banking scene as well in Brussels, Ajit. Um, And it's easy to recognize fellow troublemakers because uh, their pain resonates quite deeply. And Ajit describes himself on his LinkedIn profile as a thoroughly committed business designer with extensive experience in talking tech to the boardroom, which I should imagine gives him a wealth of experience of at least encountering these barriers and obstacles. So Ajit, welcome to the show. Please, can you tell the audience a little bit about your journey to date? And uh, we'll jump into the monsters and myths from there.
1: Hi, Andrew. Hi, everybody. And uh, just thank you for the opportunity to to give some adds some value to this. And you know, I've got a lot of respect for for your show. And so, and hence, um, let me start with my background. Um, I'll keep it as concise as possible. Um, I went to art college, um, uh, found out that you wouldn't get paid very much for the job straight after art college and thought, well, this is not a great place to stay. Um, I then started working for consultancy very luckily a large consultancy now called FDM. One of my uh, role models is, is the founder of that consultancy. Um, and during working for them, I was a permanent member of staff. I, I left to train as a Navy pilot, Navy helicopters. Um, wow. Yeah, I love flying, any type of flying I love. Um, um, but I ended up in, a, in an air base up north where I failed my tests. They offered me air traffic controller training. And I just thought, no, that's not for me. Um, and so I bought, bought a bottle of Dom Perignon for 100 quid in 1996, and it's still in a little case over there. Um, and I said I'd open it when I did something uh, as equally special for myself. Um, I then went back to FDM. And again, the founder, the mentor for many of us, um, always used to say in the morning, Google every other job for the first half hour. We're the best. We always will be. And you can come back to us. Um, And and Rod is still, as I said, a mentor of mine. Um, So that's my background, Uh, really tech across the trade floor. Um, I'm very detailed and I'm very giving. So I ended up working for the board of the Barclays Group uh, on a personal basis, 24 hours a day, um, doing it. The discussions between the board and tech teams in a large room. Um, Being the with, interpreter. Yeah, because oh. the board, are working, the tech teams, sort of twenty people over there. To can you do this? This is what we want, and they'd have a big discussion about, it, and I'd say, well, the answer is yes. A discussion doesn't have to happen here. Um, <laughs> we just want to hear it from you, and we can write down the requirement essentially, all twenty of us, and get that discussion done, and then we'll go off and figure out how to do it, um, which we did. So. We, uh, some of those teams thought that they were negotiating what they could do, whereas we're not. As the board of the Barclays Group, they're telling us this is what we want, and our job is to figure out how to do it. Um, so that's my basis uh, for business and the experience that you're about to hear, and our subject with monsters and myths it really surrounds how these conversations happen, and hopefully this talk will be a little bit useful to anyone really listening.
0: It's, it's interesting um, when you said this is coming from the board and your role was to make it happen. Uh, one of my monsters that uh, has come up in the shows has been um, the uh, Bordenstein. So a Frankenstein board that is composed of lots of different uh, parts put together that don't all function Um, harmoniously. So if you think of Frankenstein, but made up of uh, bits and pieces of board members from all over the place, but that don't really function as a body together. So the fact that you actually got the board to agree on something that you could go off and go and do was a win in the first place. um, I think personally. So let's get into it then. What is your first monster or myth that you have encountered the biggest barrier? So I'm going to
1: break this down in a slightly different way and then come back to answer those questions if you don't mind. Yes, absolutely. So I've come up with the three topics, which are, might be a little surprising considering this is what we're talking about. But the first thing is topic is how I left banking. So gathering the success of banking and then how I left it. And anyone listening to this will know there's always an exit to a business and that's the point of making the business in the reality of it. Uh, creating something saleable, which might not be the product the business is making, but it is the business itself. Um, number so that's number one I'll we'll come back to the second uh, to, to that in a second. Um, number two is how I found found my opportunity. Every man has his opportunity and it keeps repeating itself and that opportunity is what takes you away from your day job or the experience that you've built in order to become the person. That you're created to be. So you've done the schooling, and now you're going to be, going to be doing the teaching. Um, and number three, um, what I did to get it going, and this is the different part um, where I'm changing the words as an entrepreneur to essentially your show. So I created the myths. I created the myths in order to fight the monsters.:
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And that's how I got through the doors. Um, uh, to move forward on my own business. So this is the real point. I created a plan and invited the monsters in. Oh, I love it. This is taking a completely new twist, please. So, so in in this, um, in the next couple of minutes, I'm just going to, sorry, I'm reading from my notes over here, but um, I'm just going to. You have notes. You You're much more well-prepared than most of <laughs> our guests. <laughs> Well, normally the notes are in my head, but I, you know, I, I want to get this right. So, um, so, uh, firstly, um, I'm going to talk about my description of monsters and myths, and this is where there's a slight change going on, um, from your description which I think you're happy with it at the moment. Absolutely. First, firstly, and this is the most important thing I found out um, through the business I created that the monsters are not who you think they are. The people that are known to be good in the world and name themselves as good are normally the baddies. And the ones that are told, you're told all over the press and the media that they're awful and evil people are the guys who will actually help you. And hence they're breaking the rules and guidelines in order to deliver things. And the people on the other side who are pretending to be good are busy trying to stop them. So when I say I invite the monsters in, I'm actually inviting those people in who will help my business work. So monsters are generally people who help themselves to leadership positions, promotions, etc., while faking being nice, using deceit to gain these positions. And that's the core of my talk, really. The switch to find out that a monster, uh, as you hear about it, is normally actually the good person but the real monsters are the very smiley ones who get to the top of the tree by pushing out of the way and often say things like hope you don't mind staying late we've got you pizza <laughs> and you're like well you know what I'm a contractor I finish at 5:30 I'm 1 minute late and pizza's not going to do it you paid me for the work up until this time so Point number two on monsters, it takes a member of the public to feed a monster. A monster can't survive without food, and that food is provided by an uneducated fo- person who falls for their traps. Stay another two hours and have pizza, you'll miss dinner with your wife and children, but I'm very charming and you love the company. Well, my old boss from FDM, Rod Flavell taught me, a manager should give you the right amount of work to do by 5.30. That's their job, is to give you the exact amount of work that you can take a bite at and do perfectly. Um, Another example, if you're voting for a politician just so you can avoid being part of doing the work, (laughs) you're feeding the monster. And much like I ran as a, I was a local councillor, and a member of my family complained about some of the work I was doing, and I said to him, well, why don't you help me with it? And he said, no, I'm really busy. And I said, there it is. If you're not going to do the doing... I would suggest don't do the voting. Um, so the second part of uh, Monsters and Myths, Myths, I'll keep it short. Um, but essentially, the, I created a, a plan with my experience in banking that was to create four billion pounds worth of turnover in 26 years for the country. Um, and 200 million within the first three years. Um, but the point about that I'm making here is when this plan came to market, um, I met with 69 different leaders of teams around the world, got them to sign NDAs, and they all turned down investment or partnership. However, when the plan came to market, all 69 leaders were in that room attempting to steal the product that I had created and win the bid.
0: There's a the surprise.
1: You see my point, all the good people who pretended they were investors weren't there to invest, they were there to steal. Um, and that goes back to my earlier notes. Um, so we, I got to a position where with these myths that I created, and some of these myths um, were ultimate intelligence, I pretended to be in my own head the most intelligent man in the room. And all I did by doing that was spending hours and hours googling information um, so that technically I had all the data like a an encyclopedia. And then I only had to use my character to use that information. So a number of different scenarios, scenarios occurred. Um, and one of the um, things that you said, Andrew, during this introduction was, um, Meeting uh, different different characters um, and influencing uh, is, part, is the biggest part of, of, of presenting to boards and climbing your way up the the tree in banking. Um, so if I give you this one example, uh, I met with the board members of MACE group uh, who built the shard um, in that meeting out of marker pen. I marked down my entire business. Uh, It's quite complicated, but I could understand it. And at the end of it, the chairman of Mesa's board said, Ajit, I didn't understand anything you said today. (laughs) But I think we would be wrong if we didn't go with you. So I'm going to think about it. And I said back to him with confidence, I'm not here for you to think about it. I'm here to hire you. (laughs) And he said, okay, it's a yes. Wow. So with experience gained in banking, and this is the most important thing about the banking scene, for example, and other conferences that I catch up with you at, or or see you, I see you across the room there, is that the answers um, to a lot of these questions are not in the doing and the technology and not even the people that are the barriers, but who is leading and not just leading the people, but taking the idea and the concept, putting it into a tangible plan, creating the myths in themselves and their teams and going out to find the monsters. And those monsters are actually going to help them deliver the product.
0: I I love your complete switch around in terms of the use of the monsters and myths. Um, And, Yes. I have been perceived as a monster before, and I'm sure that you have been as well in your, by your definition, Um, because we are seen to be the troublemakers and specifically to those um, heroes that uh, have created for themselves a very nice life by climbing up the corporate ladder by saying the right things. I am terrible at corporate politics. Um, you know, I'm an outspoken South African. I'll tell you exactly what I think you need to know or what I think. And unfortunately I have very little mouth filter when it comes to that. So as a result, I don't do the ass kissing and everything else required to be able to climb up because if something is the wrong thing to do, I will stand by it's the wrong thing to do, and this is what you need to do is the right thing. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't bring much success within a corporate environment, it's underappreciated the need for that, that those kind of a things. But tell me more about the myths that you create to then find the monsters to help, um, dispel them. what kind of a myth? Because what we're looking for is, is. How how can you help people identify um the monsters from the heroes, the real monsters? Well, that's,
1: the a, that's a that's a very good question. And keep in mind these answers are going to be contentious, but they are based on fact.
0: We love contention, yeah.
1: <laughs> and I have quite a, a few examples and I'm looking for the most simple best example here. Um so here is is an example. The when I started the business in London, I then moved out of London, and I had a little cottage in a town called Lewis. It was tiny; it's hardly any. Tiny little place. Um, my mobile phone rang. I had to lean out the window um, to take the call. At the time, I'm looking for investors. I'm looking for um, to raise a couple of million quids for some equity in a limited company. Um, it was George Sorrell. Donald Trump's family lawyer, and he said, not straight away, but we fly into Scotland every second week um, on a little plane to look after our assets, uh, a couple of hundred million quid's worth of assets, I think 300 million in the UK. Um, We'd like to to have a conversation about investing. Um, Now, I know why the phone call was coming in at the time trump was running for president and he needed to make sure he could recoup that money if he didn't make presidency and it wasn't just stolen by the uk he also needed to find stakeholders across the country um, to be useful but i did say i can't take that investment for two reasons um one is i don't need it i already have an investor uh and the second reason is that my business is based on giving a lot of money to the public uh i think it's a hu- a significant amount of, of money to the public i mean i plan to make 200 million in three years and give 193 million back directly to to boris who's the chairman of transport for london and keep seven myself um and your name your principal's name doesn't work for this country at yeah. this point in my product i'll be really forward with you george he's a lovely guy actually um but I will use your monster permitting and I'd like you to fly in as my principal lead for my legal team um, for a meeting. Uh, How does that sound? (laughs) Now he, he said, as long as you, I think I can't quote it exactly. um, As long as you pay for the flight, which will be on our own plane um, and lunch, I think I can do that so finding again what everyone perceives to be a monster but someone who will do something for you and i would impress on everyone listening to this if you're asking for assistance or help and that person doesn't do it immediately ask yourself why they're not doing it and if they're not doing it are they a monster or are they not going to help you for a reason that's their self-gain. Because I found that the biggest players in the world, and I'm not talking the leaders of banks, the real big players in the world do help you pretty much all the time, every time, as long as you can offer them um, something back, which isn't a win financially. Uh, but it's normally honesty, truth, and some detailed a detailed explanation of what you're asking. Um,
0: they'll say yes off the bat. Um, So one of the things that you had said right at the very beginning was, um, so I'm going to go backwards through your list um, in reverse order, um, because I do understand what you've done to get things done, which is basically how harness the power of the monsters, but not the monsters in my definition, but the monsters as you've, Redefine them in your world, which, as I say, I absolutely love the switch around. It just changes things up a bit. But you had said how you found your opportunity, which is is different to what you were, because, as you said, the, the formal training, the skills, the development, everything that had happened. Um, but that wasn't really your opportunity. How did you find your opportunity? Because oh. I think that is a fascinating
1: Andrew, one of the things I, a lot of us like about your work is that you can define that nuance that is the actual question, and that's what you've just done. Um, once I found out that I was becoming very successful in banking, and I don't mean financially particularly, but I mean I could run a conversation that got the answer immediately. And it wasn't rudely done, but it was pushy enough that the whole thing came together as quickly and efficiently as possible. And I thought, I've done my work here. And in answer to your question, how did I find my opportunity? I walked out of Canary Wharf. And I remember smoking a cigarette, standing, looking uh, away from Canary Wharf, thinking, I've done it. There is no point in me being here. But how am I going to get away from this? How do I get away from the salary? How do I get away from the routine? This is all I am at the moment. so I put the cigarette out and I, I um, used to cycle to work or I'd take my old sports car in the bus lanes because it was so early, you were allowed to drive in the bus lanes back then. And I said, this, the answer is to go home. So I literally left the office and cycled home. Um, didn't tell anyone. I remember I was looking after the board of the Barclays Group at the time, 24 hours a day under contract. Um, and the strange thing is I happened, I knew I, I wanted the opportunity I always think that sometimes looking, you know, when I'm looking for something particularly, it will find me first. It's like in the movies where they say you're looking for a criminal and you turn up in a little town in America. Well, you're the only new thing there. So he's going to find you first. And much like opportunity, once you start looking for it, if you can have identified what you want, which is I wanted more. I wanted more for my life. Um, And I stopped and it sounds awful. I smoked another cigarette and I used to, I was so fit, I used to smoke cigarettes while I cycled to make it harder to cycle. <laughs> and I, I, I ha, I That's
0: used... not a recommended strategy I'm to not anybody. i that, I'm not...
1: but that I'm is 50 now. I'm definitely not doing that ever again. But, but I, I stopped and sat on this little wall, and um, it was under a huge building, which I now recognize to be the headquarters of Transport for London. And there was a tiny little shop um, with a map hanging backwards on a wall. Um, And that was my opportunity. So much so that I left my mountain bike outside the shop in central London without locking it up and went in. um, Bought the map, still got it. And the map showed um, an impossible product to open the disused underground stations under London and make them into tourist attractions. And I thought, here it is. I've managed to... Work with a number of boards around the world. Um, I've always delivered to anybody who asked me a question in the building. So that's my reference phone anybody in the building. I'm just going to do what they ask. That's it. That's what I'm paid to do. Um, I'm never going to say no. And that's one of the things in corporates. They say you must say no and you must push back and you can only do 80% perfectly and none of those things. Um, so I took the map home and with a marker pen, I drew the plan on my lounge wall. With a mark- black, and keep in mind, my ex-wife now was Swiss. So coming back to a pristine home with black and red and yellow mark, green marker pen all over the lounge above the fireplace was awful. Until, as a financier herself, Swiss financier, she looked at it and she said, "This makes eighty-six percent profit before all taxes, and I think it's thirty-four after all taxes. This is unheard of." and everybody wins. And I said, I know, it's incredible, isn't it?
0: <laughs> um, I was gonna say, yeah, you're a braver than, man than me taking <laughs> a walk up into the walls. I mean, that that was a bit extreme. So that's how you, I mean, what was the flash of inspiration though? You've been working in banking and, and finance, and as you say, you wanted more, but the more wasn't necessarily but, physical is- more, financial more, it was just, Fulfillment, I guess, right? Completely, completely. And when anyone asks me a question, I generally have
1: the same answer. It's just said in a different way. So, with this audience, the flash comes back to sitting in a meeting with Barclays where the head of tax had a little marker pen and he was m- marking out all of this uh, on a tiny little dry whiteboard. And this is what we're going to save 30 million in taxes. And I said, and in my head, I thought, you know what? There's no love in this presentation, but you're right. And also, we could be saving a lot more tax wise if we had a product to run it through. Hence me looking for an unusable asset. Um, And the facts are I found three sets. They were uh, police properties, um, church properties and underground properties. Um, And I decided to, again, create a myth I met all the police commissioners and joined them as a dinner club. So to use their strength, um, the church was relatively untouchable. However, our first site was very right next to a church um, and showed us that that kind of extensive portfolio um, will come to market at some point, but it's used as an asset for loans, et cetera. Inside the church organisation, um, whereas Transport for London was publicly owned, owned by the taxpayer, under the wider markets initiative of 1998, every government department must make money out of their assets, including the dormant ones. Um, so my base model was based on taking an asset that your taxpayer money had created, and still and support. So every you know every bit that's taken off your pound created these assets and they're lying still make it, adding the value and that's what they um, say that an entrepreneur does they add value to an asset that already exists generally um, and managing to find uh, revenue streams that would pay back into that tax payer portfolio as well hence standing up in a meeting with Boris and saying I'd like to, you to give. I'd like to give you my company name, in the promise that I'm giving you 197 million quid out of this. Sorry, 193 million, and I'm keeping seven. Um.
0: Which must have got his attention. Um, I, I, I. This is completely off the 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 script and direction normally of monsters and myths, but I do find very fascinating um so this is not a pitch but can you just share in the last couple of minutes what it is that you've actually done with those assets for the people that don't know and and you know what well, what it is how you have actually brought those to life and created something out of nothing really because as you say you've taken yeah. dormant assets and you've turned them into something that is not only revenue generating, but is actually net net positive for society, for us, for us as taxpayers, and things like that. Um, so so this isn't a a um an advertorial, but sure. it's fascinating. So I think that the people who watch and listen to the show will be equally interested as I am in. What is the specific, what's the name of the thing and what are the things that you have done and what are your plans for the future with it? Okay, so um,
1: pulling back a tiny bit, I'm going to add, I found the stakeholders, the 11 monsters. I then spent my last paycheck (laughs) on having 10 black iPhone boxes made with black foam in them and a black invitation with white on it. Um, that were that could be opened and it was an invitation uh, to a tourist adventure into the world's oldest underground tube station so I then cycled I remember cycling to um, London and Partners I think it was Visit London at the time or the other way around Boris Johnson's office chairman of Transport for London and the mayor of of London Uh, and a number of other uh, Morris visitor publications I think a number of other stakeholders that I needed to put together in order to capture this product. Um and I sold to them in that meeting. And keep in mind, a lot of them wouldn't let me in the front door. So, so for example, I think it was um I think it was City Hall that I cycled in the front door. You know what the security is like there. And he said, You can't bring your bike in here. And I said, Well, have it then. And and I walked past. And managed to get into the lift and went up to Boris's office. There it was, um, and those risks uh, become a lot more easy when you have such a strong creation that's ready to go, such a strong plan. You know, the, the one of those boxes was essentially five hundred pounds worth of iPhone box in perfect black with the old London Underground company written on it. And I said, "I've got a ticket for you for this adventure, Boris," uh, and he said, "I'd love to come along." And I said, well, great, because I'm not allowed to do it without you. <laughs> so I compromised 11 stakeholders um, to the point that I think it was London and Partners or Visit London who met with me and offered me. I, I mean, I generally don't make mistakes in calculations, but I calculated that 12 percent that, um, uh, of my limited company was worth £240,000. And that was our deal we were making. So, But I always remember to keep a little quiet and it turns out their offer was £2.4 million for 12% because I got my numbers wrong. (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw, I went on The Dragon's Den and one of the reasons I did that was so I could know my numbers perfectly or be embarrassed in front of the world. Um, But essentially, um, you know, there is a longer story that your viewers will Google about this, which is I made the product so it could exist and then I made the product so it could make me money in that order. So I did my self-education rather than just go out and be spat out at the top of the bank at the end of twenty years. Um, and the the company has been taken over through some fraud by by two individuals in Transport for London. So it's a it's a forty million quid lawsuit waiting to happen. Um, but tourist adventure. So if you have children um, and you don't want to go out of London, you just walk up to this place and they go down and they see where. The um, people used to hide in the Second World War, they see where people used to push around the V2s as it, British Spitfires would try and shoot them down. Um, it's all it's all the real adventure. You know, none of it's made up. It's not uh, a false entertainment. It's all the actual history. And the the beauty of London is the fact that these relatives, whose parents probably worked in there, may well still be here somewhere. Um, And if you go into the plan, there were, you know, sort of plans to be able to phone out random phone calls into different buildings and try and make it a real adventure for a kid. He could Mm -hmm. phone through floor three in the Barclays group and and say hello to Henry. He didn't even know who that was and say, I'm in this adventure. And they'd go, no way, you know, and so the marketing was an enormous part of and and a fun part of creating this scale of products. Um, But just going back to to the myths and monsters, I found the 11 monsters, the stakeholders. I created the myths in order to get them on board. Uh, Those myths all existed in my business plan. So they weren't untrue. They were simply created.
0: And then the monsters helped you execute them.
1: The monsters helped me execute, but I did have to, I think it was, 12 meeting public meetings with Boris. Uh, we finally got to a position where he wouldn't let me stand up, but I was at dinner with one of the police commissioners the night before and he stood up and said, can you take Ajit's question? I then had to offer to raise funds for an 11 million quid escalator for an old lady in West London uh, <laughs> in order to get the meeting with him. And he said, I'll just take the meeting. Um, and in the meeting, his first words were, we think you've got something here.
0: And that is the magic. It The magic is what you have done by enabling all of this and getting them together. So, so I was always, you know, the core of the show is looking for the magic. And in this particular case, the magic is, is you connecting the opportunities together to be able to create something Bigger than other people could see and perceive at the time, um, so not easily replicable magic. I have to say, Ajith, um, that this is this is a unique uh, quality of entrepreneurs in general, but not a an easy one to replicate for most people. They can admire, they can recognise but it takes a particular kind of spark and spirit, usually common amongst um, the people that I get on the show, which are the change makers and the troublemakers of the world. (laughs) Which, uh, so that definitely bore out in this episode. Have you got any final words of advice or anything that you want to say to anybody before I bring this to a close? Because we have run up to our time. uh,
1: Just one last thing. I went to an international boarding school running the Swiss exam. It was an American missionary school in India. And they had a motto by Anatoly France. Um, and the motto was something like this. I'm not great with the words now. I'm 50 now, and I was there when I was 15. So. But it said something like this. In order to succeed, you must not only plan, you must believe. So wherever you're going, whoever's listening to this, if you believe it, and you really do believe it, then you're going there. If it's something you don't believe, then time is running out and you shouldn't be sitting where you are right now.
0: Fabulous way to wind up the show. Indeed, thank you so much for sharing everything uh, today, and I will drop some links in the show notes so that people know what to go and Google. Um, I look forward to seeing you. At the next event and crossing paths to continue discussions like this. Thank you. you, again. you. Take care.